just when you thought there was no hope for baby boomers. It's the Rational Boomer Podcast. Logic, common sense, compassion. Yeah, who knew? Now, here's Mike. We are back on the Rational Boomer Podcast, and uh, this podcast airing on Sunday, and I'm fortunate to have with me Ed, our reoccurring character, if you will, on the Rational Boomer Podcast. And Ed, thanks for coming back. There's so much shit to talk about. There's some other stuff we want to talk about that's kind of off the beaten path where we normally talk, but we got some shit to, to deal with here. Indeed, we do. It seems like... uh... Almost anything these days, there is a political element to it, and there is one way or another it is screwed up from the way it was when we were young, Uh, more so me than you, because it was already starting to be screwed up by the time you came along. Exactly. You know, I lived the the golden era right after World War II into the 60s, when when things were were looking up, let's put it that way, you know, and then... Then came the 70s and the toilet. <laughs> yeah, and then but, it went to uh, shit. Right, exactly. So healthcare. Let's talk about that a little bit, all right? Yeah, let's talk about healthcare. And, and, and I've talked about this in my recent experience with healthcare. I've talked about it on the podcast before, and I just want to fill folks in on what this process is. And before, when I start bitching about this stuff, understand I'm not bitching so much for myself because while it's become kind of expensive, I'm fortunate to be in a position where I can afford it and it's not an issue. I'm not going to be eating dog food by paying for my hospital stuff. But I remember the days when I was a younger man and I had kids and I was struggling and juggling money constantly. If I'd been hit with the kind of things I'm seeing now, I would have been devastated. And then I'd have to make some tough choices. I told folks I'm having this uh, cataract surgery, and uh, I talked about you know the eye appointment and all this stuff. And, and now I'm getting down to the moment in time when I'm going to have this cataract surgery, and uh, the cataract surgery is going to be on August 30th, so it's coming up. And I'm not worried about the surgery; I've had it before on my other eye, so we should be fine. But as I was telling you off the air. Um, it's it's the whole procedure of getting this thing done that just it they nickel and dime you all the way and it ends up being a lot of money. For example, um, I go into the doctor, they do the eye test, cost me seventy bucks to uh, to uh, have a, a, a copay, and we sit down, they run me through the test and all this stuff, and then they always tell me, then they tell me uh, that uh, that I could have a special test. That would make it even safer, but it was going to cost me 350 bucks out of pocket. Now they've already done pretty extensive tests and, and I'm thinking to myself, what this reminds me of is when I was in business is one of the reasons I got out of business. There's always somebody trying to grift a little bit more money out of you. And, and, you know, I explained to the people, I said, you put me through a battery of tests. This doctor is probably one of the best doctors in this area, if not the country. And they said, well, yeah, but people feel more comfortable. And I said, that's my problem here. You're doing to me what funeral homes do, what veterinarians do, and now you're doing. You're playing off my own little ego and my emotions. 
You're trying to grab that extra 350 bucks just because I might be scared. I said, well, as Bernie Mac <laughs> once said, I ain't a scared of you motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay, we, we pass on that. Then they sit down with me and they say, okay, prior to the, uh, uh, prior to the surgery, you have to have, uh, a pre-op physical. Okay, cool. I understand that. I've had to do it before. 50 bucks. I have, then I have to have a consultation with the surgeon just to meet him and stuff. Guarantee you they're going to fucking charge me for that. Oh yeah. And lastly, I, I have to have, uh, a final consultation with them prior to the surgery. So that's 70 bucks, which I already had. Okay. So go. then they sit down with me and they say, okay, now look, leading up to your surgery, we've got these three eye drops that you got to put in your eye four times a day for the week prior to it. Um, and I said, okay. And they said to me, but look, here's the deal. We've got a special factory where we put all these things together in one bottle. So you only have to do one bottle four times a day. That's convenient. I go, how much is that? He goes, well, for this bottle right here, it's 90 bucks. Of course it is. <laughs> and then I, then they said, and you need this bottle that dilates your eyes before you come in. Now they just got done dilating my eyes as part of my plan, but now they want me to buy a bottle of dilation uh, drops so I can do it in preparation on the day of the surgery. That's 35 bucks. And yeah. then after I'm done with the surgery, I have another set of drops that I got to put in my eye for a week thereafter. And that's another 35 bucks. Well, the three for 90, I was kind of annoyed about it. I said, send it to my pharmacy. I'll just fucking buy it there. Okay. So I sent it to my pharmacy and it's still 60 bucks. So right. for 30 bucks, I could have got the convenience. The problem is, is I'm going through all this shit to get this surgery done, which my, my healthcare is supposed to cover. And I'm continuing popping money out of my, my pocket. I can afford it. It's not a problem. I'll survive. But if I was a younger person that had less money, I'd be fucked. And that's what pisses me off. Yeah, well, you know, both you and I, at one point in our lives, we were like working at small market radio stations. You were in New Ulm, Minnesota. Right. I was across the way in Faribault, Minnesota, and we were we were playing polkas and <laughs> doing what we had to Absolutely. do. Absolutely, we were doing doing ball games, whatever. Um, you know, I'm out. Uh, I'm doing. Uh, uh, I'm playing Santa Claus at Christmas, reading the kids' letters and so forth. <laughs> you know, anything. And it, it was a great thing. We learned a lot. We learned how to be on the radio there, not in radio school, because you're playing there. Right. You get you get behind the mic at a radio station. It's on the line, you know, and you've got to perform or you're gone. You know, right, they don't exactly. have any. But we didn't have health care. Or at no. least we certainly didn't in Faribault. I think we had some kind of catastrophic policy. Um, that if, you know, I got cancer or something, maybe I would have gotten something, I don't know, but it, it didn't use it because it was, it was prohibitive and so forth. Worked our way up until we got into the Twin Cities market and, and, and got some fairly decent health care, but it, it took a chunk out. We had to pay a chunk of money for it. I think, uh, for just being my wife's like 400 bucks right. a month, something right. like that. Right. And, and, but it was, it was pretty good health care. 
except that it was expensive. Then, you know, later Obamacare came along and and people were able to have access to a, a little bit better care. But the problem is still the co-pays. The co-pays are what gets you. Now, I had surgery last year. I think I've mentioned this before. And uh, on a Friday with the surgery schedule for Monday, I got a call from the hospital. And the hospital says, uh, uh, you got the surgery on Monday. And I said, yeah, yeah, I'll be there. And they said, well, uh, uh, your portion is going to be three grand. Uh, could you pay a little on that? And I said, I can, fortunately, I can pay all of it. You know, I'll bring my checkbook or my credit card, whatever. And, uh, but at, at that moment, I realized that if I had had this surgery, 20 years prior, I would have had said, I would have had to say no. I, or I would have had to say something like, I can give you 50 bucks. Is that right? Enough? Right. You know, something like that. And since then, recently I was, uh, was following a conversation on a local, uh, uh, Facebook group where people were bemoaning the fact that they couldn't have the surgery they needed because the copays were too high. Right. They in, in essence had insurance that they could not use. For needed procedures because the copay was too high. And um, with my surgery, just I, I, I checked because at that time you had to be really careful to make sure your surgeon, your uh, anesthetologist, uh, all kinds of people who are involved with the procedure are under your plan. So you don't, you know, you don't get a huge bill for, for one of those folks because they're out of your network. Well, I check and everything. Well, right before the surgery, we're, I'm talking 10 minutes before the surgery, this other doctor walks in and he says, I'm Dr. So-and-so. I'm a urologist that your surgeon has asked me to sit in on because uh, uh, he thinks that uh, he might need my help in one small part of the procedure. And I'm going, oh, great. You know, more said, money. Right. Uh, and and, and I, I, I just asked the guy flat out, are you under you know, my insurance plan. Yeah. Okay. Let's go ahead. You know, but it, once again, it could have been that he wasn't. And, and I would have, and that happens, that happens frequently. Although this is another good reason to thank Joe Biden that now that's not the case. They can't run these people in on you because right. that was a trick. See what this all comes down to is that I don't even know when it started. But when medical consolidation started and so forth, a lot of doctors, groups, and a lot of hospitals are now owned by hedge funds. <laughs> yeah. And hedge funds are exist for one thing, and that is to suck every dime out of whatever it is that they're involved with and leave a withered husk behind as they move on to something else. Right. And and this was why it was such a such a terrible thing that uh, they had to take out of the the recent uh, inflation reduction bill uh, um, uh, pretty much a sanction against hedge fund and private equity managers who accumulate huge amounts of wealth because uh, uh, they're not taxed appropriately, right? And then they can use that money to buy a doctor's group, buy a hospital, buy a group of hospitals, and essentially suck every dime out of them and find every angle they possibly can, just like they were doing with you, um, to to uh, give you options for something you don't really need, or to you know to charge you for 
what were you looking at there? About $200 worth of drops that you weren't anticipating. That sort of thing. This is what they do. And we need more legislation, not less. We need hedge funds, number one. They should just be banned from having anything to do with anything because they're nothing but they're pirates is what it comes down to. And since you may be looking at wearing an eye patch for a while, I think it's appropriate that we mention that. That's all they are. They are <laughs> pirates. No more than if they sailed up with cannons blazing and the Jolly Roger flying on the mast. That's what they are. And they should be totally done away with, banned, and, and uh, if, impo- if possible, imprisoned. <laughs> but, uh, I, I mean, I'm that much against both private equity and hedge funds because they are simply a way for people to suck money out of otherwise functioning institutions and make them non-functioning. Absolutely. You know, when I, I remember the first time I got health care, and I don't even know why I did it, because I was 18 years old. I was no longer covered by my father at that point. And I went out, and, and I was making pretty good money, because all I needed money for really was beer. So I had extra discretionary money. And I bought health care for blue, from Blue, Cro- blue Cross Blue Shield for $50 a month. Yep. And more importantly, with that health care, I paid for nothing. Now, when yep. we first started in our jobs, we might have been paying $150, $200 a paycheck, and I had a wife and a couple of kids. Yeah. We were paying nothing. We were, everything was covered. Then as time went by, we started to pay more and more, and our coverage became less and less. So we're getting hit on two sides of the fucking coin to a point where it's ultimately almost questionable whether you should even have this shit. And, and my point is, is that, that, uh, um, you know, I'm pushing for Medicare. I'm a couple of years off of that. Um, and, and hopefully that'll help a lot of things. But here's, here's the thing. Um, for those people out there that are getting the benefit of the, of the tax break on your health care. I mean, I know I am. Cindy and I were paying $1,200 a month for a long period of time. And then when the COVID relief bill came out, then I got, you know, a tax cut. So my $1,200 a month went down to 650. So right. that's significant. That's a significant drop. Well, people don't understand had the bill that they passed the other day, the inflation reduction act had that not passed come December 31st, my health care would be back to 1200 a month and everybody else who got the tax cut would lose it too. It's not any different than taking kids out of out of out of poverty with the child tax credit and then throwing them fucking back in. Nobody gives a shit about that. Yeah, exactly. And and my experience was the same. Before after I got out of the army and before I got into radio, for a few years I worked at the post office and you had the option. You could go with Blue Cross Blue Shield and that, that was like 50 bucks a month. Or you could sign up for this new thing they had called an HMO. And where you had to go to this one specific place, um, right. you couldn't, you had to go to their doctors and so forth. And it was a little cheaper because they were managing your health care. They were, they were making sure that you weren't wasteful with your health care. And, right. and, uh, and, and, um, I opted to go with the Blue Cross Blue Shield and I, and I developed kidney stones and, and, and I had two or three bouts of them. 
and uh, a person that I knew who had had the same thing with the HMO, um, he had to go to a different doctor for some reason. I don't remember what. And he got hit with a bigger bill. Yeah. Whereas with me, I could go to any doctor and I paid nothing. So at yeah. that point, I said, this HMO thing seems weird. And I, a couple of doctors I knew said, I will never be in an HMO because they they want to tell you how to treat patients without the expertise. Right. And uh, the HMO is essentially then dictating the medical care that the patient receives, whether the doctor thinks it's proper or not. A little history, too. Remember, it used to be illegal to make a profit from health care. It was illegal. You couldn't do it. And then this guy from California by the name of Richard Nixon, who was big buddies and got a lot of funding from the head of Kaiser Permanente. Um, And Nixon, when he became president, decided it would be okay to let a little bit of profit. And that's where it started, right at that moment. That's when health care went in the toilet. Thank you, Republican Party. You screwed us again. Well, you know. What's going on in healthcare right now? You can largely, largely blame the Republicans, but even the Democrats to a certain extent. The idea that there are people in this country, whether they be elderly or young, that need some kind of medical attention, can't get it because they can't afford it or because they're not covered or whatever. It's just outrageous in a country like this, especially when every other country that's even close to us has free healthcare. Right. Um, and, and, and I would say to our government this, what's the one, what's the number one job of our government? What is the number one job of our government? It's to protect the citizens. Now, they, they want you to believe that's against domestic terrorism or uh, international terrorism or war or somebody taking over the country. But there is nothing that kills more people or harms more people than illness. If right. their job, their number one job is to protect its people, then I would think healthcare would have to fall under that. If everybody else in the world is doing it and you're the only ones that aren't, are you really going to sit here and tell me, well, the rest of the world fucked up, but we're right? No, you're not right. You're fucking grifting off people who can't afford it. And in the process, they're dying. This whole thing has to be fucking fixed because you've got to, we boomers, for example, there's going to be a lot of boomers that get in that don't maybe not in as good a position as we are, and they are going to be destitute when it's all said and done because they will drain them of every fucking penny. It's absolutely true. And uh, now I am on Medicare. I'm old enough. I qualified. Yeah. Right. That makes a huge difference. You were paying twelve hundred dollars a month. You and Cindy. Right. right. Well, I got Medicare. I don't have to pay anything, although I did opt for, uh, you know, the additional policy, the, uh, the Medicare Advantage policy, they call it, that uh, uh, because of where I live, it actually made sense to do that, okay? But if I go in for surgery or something, Medicare covers most, most of it, but the other one then covers the doctors and, and different things that, that wouldn't be covered that I would have to come up with money for, right? And there are small deductibles, but not, I mean, I, my surgery cost almost $90,000. I paid 3000 Right. That's reasonable. That's, that's a pretty good trade-off, right? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So, uh, uh, so, but still, 
I mean, if I were like an 80-year-old person who was only able to afford Medicare, couldn't come up with that additional policy, that's prohibitive. They're right. getting they're getting Medicare. They're probably only living on Social Security and maybe paying them a thousand dollars a month, maybe less, depending um, on how much they made during their working life. And there are people around here who worked as farm hands or in businesses that really uh, were exempt from the minimum wage and that sort of thing. And they just never made enough to, to really qualify for much for Social Security, the minimum. And that means they cannot afford most health care. Right. Let me ask you something. I think this came out in the most recent bill to fix Medicare. And and, and I, I thought I heard them say that we want Medicare that includes eyes and ears. Mm-hmm. It, it didn't include eyes and ears before? It does not. No, it's, it, it, it will, it will like the, the eye test you were talking about. Yeah. If I go to if I go to the mall and go to one of the eye places and get an eye test, it'll cover that. Yeah. If I go to um, um, that, that that sort of thing, right? But, Preventative, uh, right? But my advantage policy gives me, uh, let's see, a two thousand dollar dental credit per year, uh, which for routine maintenance and so forth is plenty. And and I've never had to pay a thing in dental since I got the policy because. I've had a couple of procedures like the lost fillings and that sort of thing that I would have had to pay for otherwise that um, that my advantage policy covered. Same thing with uh, my hearing aids. Now, Medicare does not cover hearing aids, but my Medicare advantage policy made them affordable for me. They didn't pay at all, but they made them very affordable. So, if you can afford an advantage plan, it's worth it much better if it were included in Medicare. Well, here, here's my thing. You know, elderly folks in this country are taking advantage. I don't know if I would class myself as elderly, elderly yet, but pretty close. Here's my problem with the way the government works. And it's something my wife and I are dealing with. My wife put away a lot of money during the time she was teaching and, and her intention is to leave it to the kids when we're dead because uh, we don't need it. We have enough income to do it otherwise. But here's what I don't understand. You've got people in this country that are elderly that have been successful in life, paid taxes every year of their life. Then we get, they get old enough to be covered with health care, Medicare. I'm troubled by the fact that Medicare doesn't cover fucking everything. You would think the people that have paid taxes all their lives at least earn that. And if that wasn't enough, when you get to a point where you can't afford something like nursing homes or major, major surgeries or whatever, what happens is, is they will drain you of every asset and then cover you through the county or the state or whatever it is. I mean, it's like, they're, they're taking advantage of elderly people and draining them of everything they can until they're destitute, and then they say, now we'll help you. Well, that's absolute it, bullshit. That's stupid. Right, right. And it, it's this, you know, the nursing homes that they'll cover, you don't want your relative in them because they're paying their people minimum wage to take care of your mom or grandmother or whatever it is. And uh you know, they come and they go, and, and some of them are great people. Some of them are dedicated, no doubt. But there are other nursing homes where you pay a lot more, 
and um, they get a much better treatment. So there's a two-tier, maybe a three-tier thing going on there, too. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, I mean, the whole idea between behind Social Security, behind Medicare, was that as a senior, you shouldn't have to worry about it. Now, when they put in Medicare, I'd say 80% of the people in my home county over the age of 50 didn't have any teeth to worry about. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm serious because no, they, it. they, you know, the, the brushing your teeth was not a priority. Uh, and uh, there was and, not and the me- money to buy, buy the toothbrushes and paste or anything else. And meth takes its toll on teeth. Yes. <laughs> well, we didn't have meth then. We didn't even have weed then. All we had was, uh, uh, you know, white lightning. Moonshine. You know? Exactly. Yeah. That can't be good on teeth. No, it's not, you know, but no, it was simple, uh, simply that people didn't have, uh, uh, didn't have any disposable income. Most of them uh, raised a tobacco crop, which pays you once a year. You work your ass off for 12 months and you get a paycheck at the end. And it's, it depends on how it goes at the auction, what you get. That's what you live on for the rest of the year. Right. And right. Uh, that doesn't make that you don't get to go to the dentist and, uh, you know, the, the you, they just pull them as they get rotten. That's the way it is. And eventually you got nothing left. That's the way it was. And that's the way it still is. I can still see it when well, I go to my point go of shopping. This, my point of this is in this country, in the world we live in and in this country, that should not be happening at the very no. least. That shouldn't be happening. If guys can, if rich people who don't need the money can get $2 trillion, why can't the rest of the country at least get decent health care? You were talking about the nursing homes, three different tiers. Why are there three different tiers? Why does one group of people deserve shitty, shitty care and other people because they can spend the money, get better care? I mean, we're at a point when we get older where money shouldn't play the part. You know, there should be a certain amount of dues paid by elderly people, whether they were wealthy or whether they were poor. The fact that they got through this far, paid whatever taxes they had to do, there should be some consideration for these folks. Oh, absolutely. I agree a thousand percent. I mean, the uh, a lot of the people would probably live a lot longer than they do and be in much better shape if they had access to health care. Uh, something else that happens here in this county every now and then, maybe three or four times a year, they have a group of dentists who will come to town in uh, uh, basically RVs yeah. and and set up and they will deal with whatever the problem is that someone has with their teeth pretty much for free. Most of the time, once again, it winds up with a lot of extractions, uh, that sort of thing. We're not talking about, uh, you know, going in for cosmetic reasons here. These are people who are in pain, who are constantly medicating themselves with with drops and, and whatever because they are in constant pain because of their teeth that they can't afford the lines you would not believe. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is not, this is not people who are just taking advantage of this because, uh, you know, they, they, uh, don't want to pay. This is people who absolutely cannot pay. And, and there is an income, uh, um, check on it. 
So, uh, you know, it's the indigent who are doing it, but they have to turn people away. And I would not want to be one of those dentists because these guys are not getting paid. They are doing this out of the goodness of their heart. And uh, they are volunteering their time. They're volunteering all of the materials that are involved. And they're doing patients from five years old on up, maybe younger. You know, some uh, I, I saw a thing where one of the people who was there was like 89 years old and hadn't seen a dentist in 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there, there's obviously some dramatic changes that need be needed to make it make in health care. And Bernie Sanders wants Medicare for all. And I don't think that's a bad idea if it works. No. If it works for. Um, elderly people, we're going to have a lot more elderly people here. Fact of the matter is you're going to have closer to Medicare for all anyway, with all these boomers going into that stage, people like me, people like you. Um, and I hope that when the midterms come, I think I feel pretty confident that the Senate is going to expand its majority for, for the Democrats. That's good news. Now, yeah. the House, I honestly believe the House will expand its majority, too. But all the people on TV and stuff will tell you, no, it doesn't look too good for Democrats in the House. I think the Democrats are going to be fine in the House. But let me suppose this strategy, and I hope to God, if it if it's a viable strategy, that the Democrats employ it. Say we have the November elections. The Democrats hold the Senate and even get more room in the Senate so we can make uh, uh, make mansion and, and cinema inconsequential. Okay, let's say we do that. Say we get 53 seats. Um, and then in the House, let's just say the House goes the wrong way and the Republicans do take control of the House. Here's what I would suggest for Democrats to do. Between November and January – Pass as many medical things as you can through the House while you still have the majority. Pass all of them and then send them to the Senate. We know Mitch McConnell sits on the fucking bills. He sat on 500 bills. So if the House passes it before the Republicans take over the House and it's in the Senate, then they really have nothing to say about it. Right. Uh, And then the Senate, presumably we have control there, then you can just pass that shit. So whether the De- uh, Democrats or Republicans win in the House, time to get on your fucking bicycle and pass as much shit through the House as you can. Get it to the Senate. And if the Senate doesn't want to pass it for a little while longer, that's fine. But as long as we don't have to deal with the House, we don't have to deal with a Republican majority. Uh, exactly. And I, I'm hoping they're wrong, too. And I, I have several reasons to believe they are. But the number one reason that I believe that the Democrats will pick up uh, senators and that they will retain the advantage in the House and maybe even add to it is Roe versus Wade. No question. No question. I think that that is going to make a huge difference, and it should. And as long as we're on the topic of health care, abortion is health care. It is. No politician, certainly no right-wing motherfucking politician should have a say in whether, a, what is it, 14-year-old girl has an abortion or not. I think she was 14, maybe even 12. In Florida, they ruled that she is not mature enough 
to choose an abortion, but, <laughs> but she she's has to have enough, a baby. She's mature enough to raise a child. That's fucking That's crazy. Right. You know, and she uh, she doesn't have a parent that uh, that can help her with this. She's essentially emancipated. Really? And uh, wow. yes, and that means that uh, she's on her own. You know, she has no expertise in this, no way to uh, in any way access what she would need. She's going to she's going to have a baby. She's going to have she's going and she can't. She's not old enough to get a job. She's got school, whatever the fuck she's doing. She can't afford it either. So what does that do? These Republicans then now put her on the public dole or welfare or whatever and lead a shitty life because she can't realize her potential. But then she'll go on welfare and then they'll bitch about paying too much welfare. They're basically saying you're 14, you're pregnant. Fuck you. Go out on your own and do it yourself. And that's not what this government should be doing. No, no one, no, no legislature of any sort, no one should have a say in what a woman does with her own body. And I'm sorry, I, I realize there are people who vehemently believe that every zygote is, uh, you know, from is an edict from God that it will be born, which is bullshit because a goodly portion, probably more. Uh, fertilized eggs are cast off more uh, fetuses miscarry than ever make it to uh, uh, to become babies which they're not depending well, on the stage you know we could have a reasonable time thing we could agree to that don't you think maybe yeah, yeah. a reasonable one uh, we've had them in the past I mean even even in states that were even the under the old under Roe versus Wade, there were still limitations the states were allowed to do, such as you can't have an abortion past this time. That was allowed. Right. There's a, there's nothing. A new reasonable about time. That. Six weeks isn't a reasonable time because most people don't know pregnant by then. No, not um, at all. But this infuriates me. I just read another one this morning. They uh, there is a young lady carrying a fetus that has no skull, but they're going to make her. The hospital in this case is so leery that they are going to make, they are refusing to abort that fetus that has no skull, <laughs> which is, you know, it's, it's a, it's a breathing for now, um, because it's attached to the mother because it's in the womb. It's, right. it's alive, I guess you could say, but it's not going to survive outside the womb. Right. But it puts this girl in danger because having a baby still is one of the most dangerous procedures there is. Absolutely. Did you know that? I, I didn't know? know that, but I know it is dangerous having gone through a couple myself with my wife. But um, here's well, the it's ironic dangerous to the husband because she's usually wanting to strangle you. About the time well, she, I mean, she, but uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Pregnant, pregnant, pregnancy notwithstanding, that's a frequent occurrence in my house. My wife wants <laughs> to stra strangle me on any number of reasons and any number of occasions. But my point is, is where the contradiction comes into play here is they're 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 so protective of of, of this unborn baby, and you know I kind of get what they're saying, but it, smarter men than me have to or women have to figure this out than me. I I I admit I I don't know the answer to all this stuff. But the ironic thing is that they're so, so, pre they hold so precious the unborn fetus. But then when you get older, whether it be a young child on health care, 
or our welfare or elderly people needing health care and not being able to get it because they can't afford it and they die. They're okay with that. They're okay. I mean, you might as well just take anybody over 75, put them in a room and fucking euthanize them based on their opinion on how health care should be for them. And even with young kids, you take a four-year-old kid that mom has no money. They're fine with them starving. They're fine with them not getting the medical attention. This whole fucking thing is backwards. And it's just a a semantical thing with, with, with these Republicans because these crazy fucking religious zealots say it's so, and they figure that means votes to them. And that's all that fucking matters to them. All right. Now uh, you can say anything else you want to about healthcare, but I, you just said something there that, that I want to talk about too. And that's the, the religion part of this. Yeah. You know what? Uh, I know you want to talk about the religion part of it, and we're at about 35 minutes, so we're over time. Let's put that on hold for a second, and we'll get into the religious aspect. And this is going to be interesting because I don't, I think you and I have different views of it, which is fine. I don't care, but uh, we'll talk about that when we get back. So we'll just take a quick break. All right. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. We are back, and, Ed, you know, it's funny. Whenever you talk to somebody, they always say, don't talk about politics or religion. <laughs> and this whole fucking show is based on politics and sometimes religion. It's ironic right. that people tell you, don't talk about that, but we get a fair amount of listeners to the podcast and on TikTok uh, about those very subjects. I mean, people want to argue about it. People have different perspectives but, you know, you can have different perspectives and different things, uh, different ideas about stuff and not argue about it. It used to be the case where we were able to do that all the time. Uh, uh, now we can't do it anymore because people are so f- far, so divided that, that, you know, if somebody says something to somebody else and they say, I don't believe that and here's why, they can't do that. They not only have to tell you why they don't believe it, but then they feel compelled to somehow convince you to think like they do, which they'll never be able to do. But not they at keep all. Try- they keep trying. So that said, you wanted to talk about religion. <laughs> Let's fucking get into it. <laughs> all right. Well, it was brought home to me because I, I've been doing a lot of tweeting lately. I, I For years and years and years, I, reli- I resisted Twitter because it just seemed like a, a kind of a morass. Uh, you know, a lot of people throwing their words around and so forth. But then once I got into it, it's kind of an elegant thing to be able to express yourself in that few characters and, and say anything that makes sense. What I don't like about it is almost always, as soon as I hit the button, I see some misspelling, grammatical error, dropped yeah. word or something like that. But I've learned to live with it, even though I'm kind of anal about it. But uh, I've gone so far as to delete tweets and redo them. Yeah, because, no, I but, get it. I get it. I, I've deleted but, uh, stuff, too. But uh, this morning, for some reason, my my Twitter feed was just was loaded up with uh, all of these uh, 
religious types. And I have to believe it was some sort of attack. I mean, I had Hagee and I, I had um, all of the major ones. The, the TV guys are always wanting money and, and they're all right wing and they all love Trump. So I'd go, I'd go through my feed block and all of these, these and, and occasionally shooting back at them. Uh, Joel Osteen's telling me there's nothing God can't do. He's the most powerful thing. Oh, all you have to do is bring it to God. He'll take care for you. So I just have After to. After you send me 500 bucks to save your soul. Well, that's, that's what I said to him. I said, well, why does he need my money then? <laughs> because that's, if he can do all of this stuff. And, and, and I believe that's true. I mean, if, if he can't, then he's not a God, right? If he's not omnipotent and all powerful, then he's not a God by definition. So why does he need my money? He doesn't. It's a grift. There. Yeah. You know, I, I told one guy, I said, listen, you want money for God. Give me God's Venmo and I'll send it direct. It doesn't right. need to go through you because I'm afraid you're going to buy a fucking Bentley in a crystal cathedral. I don't know. Just call me crazy. Who would ever do that? But clearly plenty of people have done that. Exactly. And, and if if they're taking in the money and I can see that they are using it for something besides building a, a bigger church, buying their uh, pastor a, a set of sneakers that cost $2,000. Or a fucking uh, plane. Or a plane, or uh, or if they're just spending it, they're sending people to foreign countries to try to convince them to be like us. They've got their religion. Leave them alone. You right. know, if God wants them, He'll send them a revelation. I'm sorry. I know. I know. There people can argue. Well, it's in the Bible. We're supposed to do that. That's fine. I don't have a problem with it. But He doesn't need my money. You do it. You go. You know, if, if you feel the need to do it, find a way to finance it and go do it. Just don't ask me to pay for it, all right? Because I'm not going to. Here, here's, but, my, here's my problem with organized religion. They want money. God doesn't need money. They want to take the book, the Bible, and live by that. They want to take things literally, but then other things in the book, not literally. The, my problem with the Bible is the same problem with 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 uh, uh, organized religion. It's not of God directly, whether it be organized religion or the Bible itself. It's got all kinds of human hands and fingerprints all over it. And as long as there's human hands and fingerprints on it, it can be fallible. It can be lies. It can be wrong. So for me, I just find it easier, you know. God doesn't care about money. God doesn't really care if I say the word shit. It's about how you behave and how you treat one another and how you pay tribute to whoever your God is. All the other stuff is just little inside stuff that people have created to gain power or money, and that frustrates me. That's why I don't trust any of it. Well, see, so far we're in agreement, and and let me just extrapolate a little more. Um, I hear these people saying, well, we should, the United States law is, they either say it is based on the Ten Commandments or it should be. We should be following Old Testament law because that's what God wanted. Well, no, not so much. I mean, this, this, the Old Testament law is simply what uh, the Jewish people over, or Israelites, whatever you want to call them, over time, 
uh, put together as a code of conduct. And right. uh, most of it, we do not. Um, you haven't dragged any of your kids to the village gate and stoned them lately because they came in late or something? Not since they got bigger than I am. Okay. Well, <laughs> all right. You know, you haven't done that, right? Or you right. haven't, uh, there's, there's so many prohibitions that they, you know, they, they shave the hair around their temples. You didn't stone them. Uh, you didn't, uh, you know, so many things that are in the Leviticus in particular that we just don't do. But let's take, let's just a quick look at the Ten Commandments, right? Well, that's what U.S. law is based on. No, no it not. isn't. It's based on English common law. And, and, uh, primarily because that's, that's who, uh, wrote the, the laws. I right. mean, the English pretty much to, you know, there were Germans here, there were Spanish people here, there were French, but it was the, the English who came out on top. So they, they put it, they codified what they'd had pretty much in England and then they improved on it, right? But right. if you just look at, I looked at the Ten Commandments the other day and the only two that I could find that even apply are thou shalt not kill and thou shalt not steal. Right. And every other civilization in the world has those two. And they're yeah. basic. They're yeah. basic. But there, there is no, there is no law now. I mean, there, are, there have been blasphemy law, blasphemy laws in this country that have all been struck down at some point or another. But, uh, you know, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Well, that's not in the law. Um, no, and the, and our religious leaders aren't even following that because they, right. they have Donald Trump as their Lord and Savior. Well, this this is where I'm heading with this. You know, there there is a movement, however, in this country. Um, I call them Christo-fascists because that's what they are. They're pretending to be Christians, and they're really fascist. It's right. really a political movement masquerading as a religious one. And... Uh, uh, some people call them dominionists. Uh, that's not one that they use. But what it really means is they think, quote, Christian people should be the only ones allowed to hold office. Uh, I don't care if we're talking about sheriff or uh, president. Right. Uh, that They have to be able to be Christian. How you verify that is beyond me. Um, because most of the people who scream the loudest about being Christians aren't. And yeah, the people that the I see despicable. being Right. The people that I see actually being Christians, uh, they might mention it, but they don't make it. Uh, they're out there doing good works. And that speaks for what they are, you know. Uh, but uh, Ted Cruz, good example. His dad's one of them. Um, and there are others. All goes back to this Turkish guy named Rushduni, who uh, kind of got this thing going. But they they have what they call seven pillars that they should be in, in charge of, seven mountains, actually, of they should be in charge of. And that's government, uh, the arts, uh, pretty much the basics that everybody has is affected by. Right. They want, quote, Christians to be in charge of those. And they have wheedled their way in. I was watching in the MSNBC the other night, and they had a teacher on from Florida who attended a state-sponsored um, conference for a uh, training conference for, for teachers. And it was explaining, she was showing samples that how, well, they didn't really want to have the separation of church and state. It was, it was more like a fence yeah. that you could reach over on occasion. <laughs> they, they, were, they were indoctrinating the teachers to teach this. Right. And this is because 
DeSantis is one of their number. And that what they really want, they want women to lose the, the vote, get rid of abortion. They're at home. They're pregnant. They're, uh, they want to get rid of child support because it, 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 uh, encourages, uh, men to encourage women to get abortions so they don't have to pay to raise the kids. Yeah. This is just some of the thing. Uh, quite frankly, if you say to me, I believe, I say to you, I don't care. You can believe you're a toaster, but till I see slices of bread flying out of your butt, I don't believe it. I don't right. accept it. I want to know what you think, and I want you to be able to back it up. Give me some reasons. I can believe in Odin. I can believe in uh, the old Rastafarians, whatever. I can believe anything. And some, uh, you know, for some folks, they're valid. But don't make, don't say that I have to believe it. And that's what they're doing. Everybody has to toe the line. Everybody has to believe. Uh, and they all seem to think that there was this era in America where that was the case. Now, I'll go along with you that if, when I was growing up in the 50s, Pretty much everybody went to a church of some sort, right? Right. But the Baptists hated Presbyterians. Presbyterians thought Baptists were backward. Everybody hated the Catholics. And my God, there were no Jews. (laughs) Right. Not around here. You know, and if there had been, they would have been in danger. I'd be quite frankly, because they killed Jesus. You know, that's what they would have said. Um, as I've told told people on the podcast, I don't ascribe to or or join any clubs, any clubs. I just refuse to join any clubs, and that's why I'm not a Democrat or a Republican, and that's why I'm not part of any religion. I, I grew up as a Lutheran, and it was pretty low key. It was fine, but I, I I had my problems with that too. I think if I was to align myself with any religion, and this is going to sound weird. It'd probably be Buddhism. And here's why. I've heard all kinds of religious leaders say the craziest shit, tell you things that are restricted or free or whatever. I heard an interview with the Dalai Lama one time. And this person obviously didn't know anything about Buddhism, and he wanted Dalai Lama to explain to him what Buddhism was all about, how it was different from Catholics or or Lutheran or whatever. And the Dalai Lama looked at him and he says, uh, my religion's very simple. He said, in my religion, we just need to be kind to one another. And that's it. And if you think about that, if you did just that one thing, that would cover all Ten Commandments. That would cover everything. I like when people can boil things down to something, something simply. And that's, <laughs> and that's what I get a sense that God wants. I'm not talking about religions. I'm not talking about religious leader. God just wants people to be kind to one another, help one another, love one another. And if we do that, all this extraneous shit really doesn't fucking matter. Like me saying fucking matter. Right. You're exactly right, Mike. And what he just said was exactly the same thing that Jesus said. Now, if you believe that Jesus is an incarnation of God, that he is, in fact, God, When he says to you, I bring to you a new commandment, that that says two things. Oh, okay, here's something new. And the other one is the old stuff don't matter. It didn't work. 
You yeah. know, we tried those Ten Commandments and it didn't do anything. People violated them by almost out of reflex and killed each other and did everything. Every day, they, every person every day pretty much violated every one of them. So I decided to try something different. So I came back and here it is. Love me, love your fellow man. Yeah, that's, that's it. it. That's it. That's it. That covers it. It's done. Or in the case of the Dalai Lama, be nice to each other. Be kind. Yeah. yeah. That's it. That's your religion right there. You do that, you're on your way to heaven on a rocket. Well, that's my point. If you got some 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 higher power, some god that is omnipotent and can control everything, <laughs> does does it? And and his his idea is just to love everybody. It, does that mean God's mad at me for saying shit or fuck or whatever? That seems pretty. Well, that seems pretty minuscule in the scheme of things. Or if somebody takes one too many drinks, now it has some other. Drinking too much might lead to breaking his commandment of loving one another. So then indirectly it's wrong. But my point is, is there's always somebody that wants to make it more complicated. Let's take the Bible. Now, I appreciate the Bible. I've read parts of the Bible. I didn't read it all. But here's what I do know about the Bible. Much of it was written after Jesus was dead. Okay. That's one thing. So. It's like the telephone game. You hear a story, you tell a story, you hear it. It's different by the time it comes up. And then you find out that there were parts of the Bible edited out. Not by God, not by Jesus, but fucking humans. And there was a reason why they edited it out. We don't know what that reason is, but it doesn't mean that it's necessarily for godly reasons that they edited it out. See what I mean? Every time a fucking human touches an organization, a publication, or whatever, it has the potential to be tainted. And more than likely, it's tainted because the reason they would adjust it is for their own benefit, just like well, Donald Trump exactly with, right. with the documents. So if a human has touched it and tainted it, I'm sorry, I'm not buying into it. Well, this is the thing. Around here, there's only one version, and that. It's the King, King James Version, and that's only because that was the one in force when uh, the, the English immigrants arrived here. People moved up in the hills, and anything that came after that um, was suspect, right? Well, if right. you take a look at the King James Version, it is not a... Uh, a all the other versions, or at least most of them, they go back to the original texts text and there's a problem you uh you came up with one of them right there nothing was written down uh in jesus's time it was uh you know 60 years at the later is the earliest that we have right and uh others are hundreds of years later and there were all sorts of versions of the bible floating around no no two of them alike and that's what we have. We have all these versions with no two of them alike. And then we have translations and translations and translations. And that's what they did with the King James Version. They took all of the old translations, they took a look at them, and they kept what they liked. And they got it wrong sometimes. Now, you've heard of Salem, right, with the witches. You've heard right, in, in right. Europe they were burning women left and right for centuries. You know, here in America, they just hung them, which, you know, which I, you wind up dead either way. All right. 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 But uh, people 
found a passage that says, thou shalt not suffer a witch to live, of course. So that means, A, there's witches, and number two, we should kill them, right? right, right and right. this 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 held sway for centuries, right? Well, then they go back, modern translators with, you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years, really, of uh, expertise being able to go back to the original languages and do translations found out that should really be translated as a poisoner. Thou shalt not suffer a poisoner to live, which is a little bit different. Yeah, it's a In other different. words, a murderer. And um, thou shalt not kill is really thou shalt not murder. There's all sorts of things like that. And uh, things like uh, that God puts in charge who he wants in charge. And I've heard that one so much with Trump. Well, well, God put him in charge, so uh, we should do what he says. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, I don't think he had a lot to do with it, to be honest with you. Did God put Hitler <laughs> Did God put Hitler in charge Ex- or Mussolini exactly. or Pol exactly. Pot? They didn't put him exactly. in charge. Exactly. I mean, see, that's the thing. I'm, I don't have a qual- any qualms with the word of God. <laughs> as, long as, somebody, as, as long as somebody didn't fuck it up along the way. That's why I've always told people, why don't you go to church? I said, you know what? I choose to go to God directly because what what I see is the moment I go to God through a pastor, minister, somebody else, I'm going through a human to get to God. So I liken that to getting my water directly from the spring or getting it delivered to me through a dirty fucking rusty pipe, which is what humans are. That's all I'm saying is, is is you don't have to go through the process. I mean, it used to be you had to go to a travel agent to get a fucking flight someplace. Now you just go online. Do you still go to a travel agent? Because that's what you always did. No, you don't. You go on fucking Expedia or whatever, and you order the fucking deal. Or you go right to the airlines. The point is, is in my life in business, there's always somebody trying to put themselves in the middle to make it more complex or more difficult to kind of create a position for themselves and then to add more money onto it or add more confusion onto it. And that's the same thing we're looking at religion. That's the same thing we're looking at medical because we got the insurance company in the middle fucking muddling it up and making it more expensive. Right. And we, when I was a kid, we didn't have insurance. No, we didn't have the first time I had insurance was, uh, when I got my first job, uh, my first real job at Kingsport press that suddenly I had insurance. I never had it before that, except the the little policy you could get through school in case you fell off the teeter totter and cover you. My mom would get that every year. And, uh, and, and I think it actually covered us you know, when we weren't at school too, but so the kids had that, but she and my father never did. No. They didn't have any. Well, that's because she could go and, you know, uh, I think delivering both me and my older brother cost a hundred bucks and yeah. my younger brother, maybe two, yeah. you know, I mean, it was, it was very much simpler then. And, and people will argue, well, the outcomes weren't as good. I'm not so sure. Yeah. I'm not so sure either. I mean, you go back to the 50s and 60s, how many people had credit cards? When, and when credit cards did come into play, women weren't allowed to have them. Right. <laughs> 72 or 4, I forget which, they finally allowed women to have credit cards. So so then so then you you 
you get bring these credit cards into the mix, and now people are getting indebted. Then they pitch them to buy more stuff, so they do, and it's easy cash. So, I mean, that was the experience I had. When I was young, I kind of came of age in the 80s, and my dad had some money and stuff. And using credit cards to the max was kind of the in thing to do. Get as much stuff as you can. My problem with credit cards was it's a scam because you use credit cards because you want to buy something you can't afford. So you get that something you can't afford and you save the money of putting it out right away. But ultimately those credit cards come to do now come due. Now I can't afford anything because I'm paying off the fucking credit cards. I tell my kid, don't get any more credit than you absolutely have to. It's a scam. It's a, it's, it's indentured slavery when you get a lot of credit debt. Exactly. And yet we're asking our young people to go into major debt at the age of 18, especially those who've had no expertise in finance at all. And and maybe their parents haven't either because they're lower income. They want to go to college. They have an aptitude. They have a passion. They have a dream. Oh, yeah, we'll give you we'll give you a student loan. Well, and that, the, and that's that, and that's it. The loans come into play. The 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 educational systems or the educational centers say, "Oh, they got loans in there. Now we can jack up the price." I'll give you a good example. Say your windshield gets cracked, okay? Right. And you go in to get your windshield fixed. If you have insurance to cover, it's like nine hundred bucks. But if you don't have insurance to cover it, then you can get it for like four. Right. They make allowances if you're not insured. So that tells me the company that's selling these these windshields is taking advantage of of uh, insurance companies who will pay more. And and while 400 is enough to cover it, they'll go for the 900. But then it trickles down to you because they say you're spending too much money on insurance. Now we got to raise your fucking insurance. It's all a scam. It's all like a pyramid scheme within in between us and everything we need. Well, this this is what I'm talking about with student debt. You know, the the, the loans are easy to get because why? They're government backed. Right. That right. means I I go in to get a car loan. What collateral do you have, Mister Jones? Uh, do you have a job? Do you? Well, no, I'm going to school. You know, I mean, so I'm not going to get a loan unless I have obviously the ability to pay it back. Not that way with school loans. It's it, it's like when I bought my first house. I've been in the army. I didn't need a down payment because uh, uh, I had a, the GI Bill, which allowed me to get a GI loan with no down payment because the government was guaranteeing it. Right. So that's why these these they'll loan these money to these kids, and they'll go for four years. Now, to me, it cost it maybe twelve hundred dollars a year to get my first college degree. Right. right. Um, So, uh, and I was able to do that by working. I didn't have to take out any loans, but kids today, they're going to pay a minimum of about $12,000 a year. And that's probably low. I haven't checked it lately. Way low. Yeah. yeah, Maybe 12, maybe 12 grand a year. I I know when my kids went through college, it was about 45 grand a piece. Okay. And then, you know, my youngest child graduated in 2010. Yeah. Uh, from college. Um, I've taken out loans and, and, you know, it's kind of like, uh, uh, it's kind of like the show good times. Remember yeah. the theme song? Yeah. Easy credit ripoffs. Right. That's what this has all been. If you want to get a student loan, you sign some fucking papers. And if you want your mom and dad to get a student loan, 
they just signed some papers. You send it in and the money's in your bank account. It's very easy to get it. But then you've got to live the rest of your life. I know people my age still paying student loans from when they were young. That's fucking outrageous. Well, this is my point. And why is that? It's because they're predatory loans. Uh, you don't check the interest rate or uh, maybe you do and maybe you decide against it, but maybe you don't. And most people don't because they're thinking about, well, the, the kid needs to go to school and they don't realize. See, I think the, the interest back when I, they were first came out was maybe one or two percent. It, right. it was ridiculous. I mean, it was very affordable and you basically paid back what you borrowed. Uh, now they'll resell those loans and resell them and resell them. And that interest rate keeps going up. So I just saw, uh, uh, online somebody that I trust talking about that they had, they're a teacher. They had $32,000 in student loans after 30 years of paying, they owe 38. Right, right. Exactly. And they didn't miss, they didn't miss a payment. Well, the thing is, I always talk to people and I say, you should just forgive all the loans. Yes. I, t- I tell people, you first of all, healthcare should be free because it's an investment in this country. It's going to save on medical expenses. It's going to save on welfare and taxes that will have to be paid anyway. And we will have a healthier country. We need to pay for all education, too. Because we are a a country that's becoming incredibly fucking stupid. We should be encouraging more people to be educated and smart because it will benefit this country in the long run. But unfortunately, there are education outlets, health outlets, and the insurance companies and the loan companies in between want their taste. So they get in the middle of it. They mix it up. They make it more difficult, more complex. And then we all end up spending more money. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fucking scam. I don't care what anybody says. I've been in business for myself and I've been in situations where people are trying to scam a situation. It's pretty clear. And many people get away with it because nobody's paying attention. But at some point, they're going to run out of money to grift. They're going to take all the money out of the middle class and then they're going to go to shit because they got no place to get money for, from anymore. It's, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's going to have a bad ending for everybody. So why do we continue to do it? Well, we do it because uh, unscrupulous people get power and uh, they like money and they like power and they like staying in there. So they take money from the people to that uh, want more money and they write the laws that allow them to do it. A good example. Okay. Airlines, right? Yeah. Now, right now, it's like a roll of the dice. If, if you schedule a flight, you show up, you don't know if it's going to go or not. Right. You know, they're advising people, uh, you know, at least schedule your flight a day early. Your chances will be better that way. Pete Buttigieg was our, uh, the transportation secretary was on, uh, uh, this morning talking about he sent a letter to the airlines that said, clean up your act or I'll do it for you. Because what happened during the pandemic, during the COVID downturn, we gave shitloads of money to the airlines. And they were supposed to pay the pilots and the uh, support personnel, even if they weren't working them. Right. They were supposed to keep them on. This was a stopgap measure to get them through. 
right? What did right. they do? Stock buybacks. That's what they did with it. They gave it to their shareholders. The, they didn't pay their, uh, their pilots. So their pilots went to work for, uh, FedEx and, and for Amazon and for other commercial entities like that where they could make a living. Their, uh, their flight attendants found other things to do. Uh, and they're not coming back. And that's no. why the flights are being canceled. That's why your bag is sitting in Poughkeepsie instead of with you because they don't have enough baggage handlers to make sure it gets on the right, uh, the right flight. So he has told them either you do it, you have this window, get busy, hire back, hire pilots, hire, uh, the, all of the support personnel you need. You get these flights online. You also, you, you make, uh, all of your, because they're not transparent on if you, uh, if a flight is canceled, what do you get? Do you get a refund? Do they give you, uh, well, you can get a free flight some other time, whatever it is. You want it spelled out and it has to be uniform across all of them or right. we will do it for you. We'll see. We'll see what happens. But this, this is the thing. They have to do this, not just with the airlines, but uh, this is the thing. We gave them the money. We gave them the money and they misused it. And there's so much of that, the PPP money, that's the same thing that happened. It was supposed to go to keep workers uh, so they could buy groceries. And what did they do? No. Eh, well, we'll just use it for stock buybacks. we got to have our profit. You know? Well, and, that, and that's exactly it. The, the whole COVID relief bill was to put some money in the pocket so people could survive. They gave this money to businesses, not just airlines, but all businesses, all businesses. Uh, to, to, to keep people uh, making money so they could survive. Now, they didn't do this because they were trying to do a favor for the airlines. They didn't even do this to do a favor for the employees. They did this because they saw what would fucking happen if they didn't do it. So they do it, then the airlines doesn't do it, and exactly what they expected to happen has fucking happened. Exactly. And, you know, this was Congress. This was not Trump who came up with this idea of doing this. And as soon as the money was appropriated, Trump and his cronies yelled, sue and all of their buddies came running in, and they took the money, and it never got down to mom and pop where it was supposed to go. It was supposed to go to the little mom and pop restaurant so they could pay their wait their wait staff to stand by. You know, now they can't fill shifts because those people found something else to do because they had to. They had to survive and they had to do it on their own. But they could have, if the money had gone where it was supposed to go, people could have ridden it out and it would have been fine. But no, it had to all be stolen on the way down. And that's what happened. So don't tell me, well, those students don't deserve it. They should have thought about it before they took out those loans. I got a big F you for you, yeah, buddy. Fuck you. Forgive all. them. I mean, I will give Biden credit. He just, uh, his administration just said all the, uh, I think it was ITT uh, schools that were all over the country, these yeah. uh, computer tech schools, basically, that taught nothing. Right. All of those loans are canceled. So that's something. That's a start. The, you, that's a start. You know, this, that was such a scam anyway. I mean, they would go into places like the south side of Chicago and they'd set up a booth. Hey, you want to make a hundred dollars? Just fill out this paperwork. Right, right. The guy would fill the, the 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 young person would fill out the paperwork. All they needed was a name and a social security number, and uh, 
they'd take out a loan for this kid for, you know, five grand, 10 grand, whatever. He didn't even know he was taking out a loan. He got his hundred bucks and went on his way. But then he got a letter a while back. We, you need to pay this. Uh, if you default on this student loan, we're going to take your tax return for the rest of your life. Right. Right. You know, that well, kind you, of thing. And, and, and you know what? It, it's just, it's just, uh, and it, you bring up education and, and, and there lies another problem. Uh, my wife was a teacher for 30 years. We worked within a school district for 25, 30 years. And, and about five years ago, while my wife was still working, I said, you know what? These administrations don't pay you guys for shit. My wife didn't have a raise for like 15 years. She got paid oh, okay, but 15 yeah. years without a raise is fucking ab- ab- absurd. Um, but then on top of that, they treat you like shit. They don't back you at all as a teacher. And I said to my wife, I said, you know, with all us boomers getting ready to retire, there's going to be a shortage of teachers. And these younger kids aren't seeing teaching as a viable lifelong career. They might do it for a couple of years, but nobody's wanting to stay for 30 years. And now we hear that since the pat- uh, pandemic, uh, 300,000 teachers that were teaching prior to the pandemic are no longer teaching after the pandemic. And since we're talking about a lot of baby boomers who are teachers, we know every year there's going to be tons and tons falling off the fucking table and not being teachers. And you've got young people who don't like the idea of being paid shit and treated horribly. So they're not going to be teachers. So now we have somebody like Ron DeSantis, uh, saying, okay, we don't need real teachers in our schools. In fact, I think it's better if we have people with real experience in life teaching our kids like, like veterans. Now I'm all for veterans, but not all fucking veterans are in a position or even built to be fucking teachers. Ron DeSantis has basically said, teachers don't fucking matter. We can throw any fucking adult in there and teach our kids. Well, I got to tell you, if I had a kid in fucking Florida schools, I'd be fucking moving. Oh, definitely. And, and I do think there, there, there are levels of teaching. Uh, I think um, if you're teaching social studies or something like that, you're teaching usually out of a book from a curriculum and so forth. So it has a lot to do with the personality of the teacher, being able to engage the students and get right, them to do right. the reading and so forth. Uh, if it's mathematics, which is more precise, or chemistry or physics or something like that, you got to know your shit. Come on. you got to you know, know your I shit. I couldn't do it. I'm, I'm an intelligent person. I can go into an English cat classroom and kick ass because I'm widely read. I'm good with grammar. I know where the periods and the commas and the semicolons go. I know when to use them and when not to. I know all of that stuff. I would be a great English teacher. Uh, I've, I've been a teacher. I mean, not officially, but I, you know, at the radio station where we worked, I had a lot of kid involvement, you know, and, and I know how to engage with kids. So I I could do that, but I could not teach physics. I could not teach chemistry. I could not, now I couldn't even teach rudimentary algebra. Let me ask you this, though. Okay, say you're qualified with that whatever experience uh, in teaching English. Sure, you could do that. But knowing who you are and, and what you're doing, would you then say at that point, okay, I'll be a teacher. I'll take a shitty job with with no support and shitty money. Why would you take that job? 
The well, people who will take those jobs are the people that are desperate for money and desperate for jobs and may not be even qualified even on that level to fucking teach. Well, not only that, but you have very dedicated teachers who've been teaching for years and years. Let's say one of the things they've been teaching from is, uh, say, uh, Huckleberry Finn. Yeah. Okay. That's one of the books that's routinely banned because it has certain words in it. And I understand the sensitivity about that, right? But at the same time, um, there are lots of other books that are being banned. There are lots of other things that are, that are being, if you're going to teach American literature, you cannot not teach Mark Twain. I'm sorry. That's where it all begins. Yeah. Faulkner, Hemingway, they both said American literature begins with Mark Twain. Right. And it's true. It's true. And if you're going to teach literature, you have to go there. I'm sorry. So there's a lot of teachers who've been at it for years who say throwing up their hands because they went to a school board meeting where a bunch of ignorant morons got up and called them pedophiles. Right. Right. Because they had a book in the library that, that dealt with the struggle of a young a gay or lesbian uh, uh, student. There's nothing wrong with that. But to be demonized, I did see, I believe it was in Texas, that a school librarian has just sued someone for defamation for calling them a pedophile. And I, I, I was I was yelling about that online this morning. And I was dealing with threats primarily. But this we've reached a play almost, well, a lot of the states have a prohibition on what's called terroristic threats. Right. Which is to say, I'm going to kill you if you don't do what I want. Right. right? Or, for example, there was a school board meeting, I believe, in Georgia, could have been Florida, where uh, uh, the, the uh, school board members were coming out, and this guy followed followed one of them and said, I know where you live. I'm going to get you. Uh, that guy should be in jail. Absolutely. He should be in jail. He should be playing a massive fine and he should be in jail and it should be with every one of them because that, that puts anxiety on a person. You're looking behind you all the time. Is he coming for me? Was that an idle threat? And these days, my God, you got people walking into pizza parlors shooting up the place because they think Hillary Clinton was molesting a kid in the basement or they're trying to get into a, a, a FBI office with a nail gun. Because they're fucking insane. You don't know. So a threat has to be taken 100% without any sort of uh, softening. And it has to be the local police who do it. And they have to be made to do it. Well, you know, you know, I, I have a perfect illustration of what it is to be a good teacher. And, and my wife uh, was a good teacher, is a good teacher. Uh, she was very tough on the kids, but the kids loved her because they, they loved having some boundaries. And, and my wife, as much as she was tough, she was fair. So all the kids loved her. Now, right now, she'll go substitute teach every so often. I'm trying to get her to stop because she doesn't need that. But she will do what she wants to do. And she's also working for an airline and customer service. Both jobs are incredibly tough. She goes and does her substitute teaching and when she has a bad day with either the kids, the the administration, or the uh, or the parents, because the parents don't back the teachers at all anymore, um, when she has a bad day, man, she's just spent. She's she's stressed out. She's upset because she has 
She feels some investment for the kids and actually teaching the kids something. So a bad day at school is really a bad day for her. Now, on the flip side, when she goes to work at the airlines doing customer service, dealing with just as obnoxious, fucking stupid, ridiculous (laughs) people, she comes home whistling Dixie because she don't fucking care. She. These people come up, and if they're bad enough, she can just take them off the flight and say, you're not flying here now, or maybe never, because she has some authority there. Teachers don't have authority anymore, no authority. They have zero authority. They're not protected by the administration, and the parents are working against them. Now, if you have a job where every day you're stressed out and feel like you're beaten down, who wants that fucking job? Nobody wants that job. I mean, I could probably teach a class on some things, but I'm not going to fucking do that. I mean, I'll deal with kids. I don't mind kids, but it's all the other bullshit around it that makes it virtually impossible. Well, absolutely. And I, you said one word that to me is is almost an obscenity, and that's administration. Because yeah. oh, you I know, hate those we fucks. Work, work for a school district. You can have a principal. You need a principal, Okay. <laughs> And you could have a superintendent. Do you really need 1,800 assistant superintendents? I don't think so. Well, that's you the trust problem. You trust the principals. You, you know, you have a curriculum. Why do you need 1,500 curriculum support specialists? Right. The teachers right. know what to teach. Let them teach. If you need if you need some sort of corrections in the school, fine, do that. But that's all you need. Give me a couple of administrators who are there to help the teachers. Give me the teachers. Give me some support staff within the schools to help the teachers, maybe some aides or something like that if they have big classes. You don't need the rest of this junk. That's all it is. And it goes back to what I said before. You have a process. You have a service that you're going to provide. And then you get somebody who stuffs himself in the middle, convolutes the whole fucking thing, makes it complex, and makes it more money. I know, I don't know if it's here where I live now, but when I was living in another suburb, I know that half of my state taxes that I paid went to education. Yeah. But then we always heard how the education needed a referendum or something and more money. And people go, what the fuck? We're giving you all this money. And now you say you need more money. Nobody could understand how that happens. Well, the problem is the vast majority of the money doesn't trickle down to the teachers and certainly not the fucking kids. It's caught up in the clog in the middle fucking management that's chewing up this money for no goddamn good reason. And that's the problem. We've got somebody else in the middle of a service grifting money for no fucking reason well it's it's called justifying your existence yeah if you're an assistant superintendent you have to justify why you're there uh maybe you'll hire an outside consultant to come in and do a couple of conferences that you require the uh, the english teachers to attend and this this outside person will come up with some newfangled something or other or, or maybe it's mathematics and they come up with new math or new english or you know, uh, we don't need phonetics anymore. We'll do whole language or whatever, right? Yeah. There's all these off-the-wall theories that the education schools uh, come up with because they've got nothing better to do. And uh, and that that's, that's what happens. And you have teachers who are out of the classroom because they're going to these damn conferences or they're having to do it on their own time. And that's insanity. And they don't really need it. They learned what they need to learn. 
they sh they know teach them and and I hate education courses. I was going to be a teacher and education courses turned me off to the whole profession. Absolutely. Because I I saw they were nothing but bullshit and they were justifying college professors jobs is what they were doing. I thought if I'm going to be an English teacher, let me take a lot of English courses. Yeah. But I could have gone through I mean, I could have majored in secondary education and barely taken uh, something in my concentration. I mean, I would have had a liberal arts education with a lot of education courses. How to teach, but what? What yeah, am I well, supposed what to, teach? to teach? You know, it's funny. You and I experienced this very same situation at our job at the radio station that was owned by the yes. Minneapolis Public Schools. You and I spent 20 I spent 27, you spent close to that much. And in all that time we were at the station, especially with my job, my job was not only doing what I did on the air and hopefully benefiting the station, it was creating income for the station to a large degree to the right. point where it basically kept the radio station alive. I did that for 27 years. The, the, the vendor was happy. The listeners were happy. You did what you did and uh, a lot with the kids and a lot with the show and a lot with making more money for the station and getting more rate ratings. Okay, that's where you and I are. And then they hire a couple of fucking clowns. One is a station manager that has no connection to this station other than she got hired for the job. And then they hire this program director who's 34 years old, has only had one job in his fucking life, doesn't know fuck all about fuck all. So these people are now in a position to try to push you and me out. How does that fucking make any sense? How does that make any sense that these two people that know nothing just by virtue of knowing somebody and getting a position want to, why would they want to push you out? And then why are they allowed to push you out? That's, that's the problem. It's always these middle people that fuck things up because they're incompetent. Well, actually, you're, you're exactly right. And what it comes down to is, for many years, we had one person doing both jobs. I mean, right. we had, we had, we had, when I started there, when you started there too, uh, at least in the modern incarnation of, of that radio station, there were two teachers who did classroom instruction to the students. And, uh, one of them served as the program director, the other as the station manager. And what that basically came down to is the program director scheduled the personnel on the air and right. the, the station manager filled out the paperwork for corporation for public broadcasting and and that sort of thing and dealt sort of with the with the uh the school district and we operated just fine because they said okay you're the music director you take care of the music you're the news director to me you take care of the news and uh everybody else uh you know uh, i took care of the traffic and you took care of the traffic and uh that was pretty much it we were in those supervisory positions and and pretty much everything was fine and then one of those guys kind of retired and they decided well we need a station manager a real station manager except they didn't know what that meant Right, right. You know, so, uh, so, uh, and, and the program director who was intrusive, who was trying to tell the music director how to do his job, tried to tell me as the news director how to do my job. They it was supervision with, and, and you how to do the traffic after yeah. you've been doing it for 30 years. But no, they, none of that supervision was needed because the, uh, our ratings 
came about twice a year when we did our pledge drives. And we got on the air and we asked for money and people gave it to us. That was our ratings. We didn't care about anything else. But they started looking at what uh, the people meter was saying. Well, we should be doing more talk or we should be doing this or whatever. Screw that. What I people love, like what we're doing. What I love best of all is when we started doing the, the, the drives, which I hated doing, but we did the drives to get money because we we're a public radio station. You right. and I and, and, and Terry for a time, who was the other person on the show, we really came up with the thing that people responded to and, and, and they gave more money. And we, we, we proved that we could get people more money. And what do these dumb fucks say? Uh, you can't do that anymore. What do you yeah. mean? It's fucking working. Well, according to this, and fuck you. You've had one job in your life. You don't know anything about radio, and you certainly don't know anything about this fucking audience. It's it's which it, it. You know what? I love the station. I love my job. But the day I retired from that place abruptly, that was the happiest fucking moment of my life because I got tired of dealing with the shit. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. And the day you left is the day I decided that I better uh, take a look and see when I was leaving because I would be next. Yeah, absolutely. You were going to be next because at that point you were the, the 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 oldest guy with the most time on the job. And it was all about saving 10 bucks an hour or 15 bucks an hour by yeah. getting rid of us. That's that's how they made decisions. And unfortunately, we have the same problem with the rest of our education, with our medical care. Well, we want to save 15 bucks, so maybe this guy can do without this fucking test. And that's that's all bullshit. It's all about money and not about people. And it goes back to what we said to, before. If you want to talk about religion, the basis of religion is be kind to one another. Don't hold money above fucking people. That's right. And, and you know, don't put somebody in a supervisory position that people will not respect. Because as, as you say, in both of those instances you mentioned, we knew these people. We knew what they were capable of. We knew their resumes. And we knew that in most cases, we were far and away more experienced, especially in what we were doing, than they were. Uh, one of those supervisors asked me, do you think you know more about this than me? And I go, yeah, yeah, I actually do. Because I've done it for fucking 30 years. And you just popped in out of here from here from some mi small market station thinking you know something. I've been that guy from a small market station and I didn't know jack shit. And you don't know jack shit. And, and it, it, it just got frustrating. I mean, at some point in this country, we've got to start taking care of people instead of taking care of people's pocketbooks you yeah. know and, and 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 that station was ruined you know those people will come to me and they'll say hey you want to do something with the radio? fuck no i don't i had a lot of regard for that radio station growing up because i was tied to it from the time i was 16 years old but that station is no longer anything like we used to see so i don't have any i don't have any allegiance or loyalty or any interest in dealing with those fucks there any more than i do any other job that i may have had well, occasionally I, I have in the past. I haven't in a long, long time. But You're a nicer the, guy than I am. Well, yeah, everybody knows that. <laughs> but, uh, no, I did feel, uh, you know, it was my prime. It was the focus of my life for close to 30 years. So, you know, yeah. I do have, I do, I do want it to do, I did want it to do well. 
Uh, I do think it had a positive influence on a lot of kids over the years. And uh, so it was it was worthwhile. And, and the audience, I got to know the audience. I mean, they called me. I talked to them. They, they wrote me emails and so forth. I knew more about what they wanted than anybody else because uh, they talked to me and then me and Kevin O'Connor because we were the, the drive guys, right? Right, right, right. You know, and they, we had the kids pretty much in the midday and so forth and, and maybe some other people on specialty shows. But they, we were the people, we were the face of the radio station, if you will. And when we went out and did public appearances and that sort of thing, they came to talk to us, not to the station manager. They didn't know who the hell that was. No. Or, uh, or the, you know, uh, anybody like that, that we were who they talked to and told us what they liked and what they didn't like. Absolutely. And, and, you know, that's what I like about what we're doing here. My goal with the podcast was to replicate and even exceed what I was experiencing in radio. And I'm at that point where I'm better than replicating it because I don't have some dumb fuck with a suit telling me what to do. I'm going to do whatever the fuck I want to do and let the chips fall where they may. Fortunately, it's working. Oddly enough, more and more people are listening. We're having fun and we're getting the interaction from the audience. So whatever I experienced being on the radio, I'm experiencing here with the podcast and then some. And as time goes by, it'll even be more so. So fuck radio. Fuck those people. It's for me, the Rational Boomer podcast. And I'll ride this fucker as long as I can ride it. Excellent. I'm glad to be along for the ride. Uh, the I would say this to any supervisor in any position. <laughs> Trust your people. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have a spud now and then that you're going to have to get rid of. That you're going to have to deal with. But by and large, people, and especially if you treat them well and they feel that you're on their side, they will go to hell and back for you. They will. I know because I did it. Yeah. You know, I mean, this is the way if somebody showed me respect and listened to me, they had me. I was theirs. Right. And uh, and it was it is the same. And every other it's the same in the army. You can uh, you can have a sergeant who screams and yells and makes you do push ups. And they we will laugh at you behind yeah. your back and come up with with silly names for you and so forth. We'll do the push ups, but you're not getting our respect and we're not going to follow you into battle. We might you might not make it into battle, <laughs> but uh uh, you know, if you give us respect and show us that you're worthy of our uh, uh, folly, we'll follow you anywhere. But I, you I, have to do that. I had somebody ask me to talk to some managers because they were having problem with their company. And, and I looked at the managers and I said, I'm willing to bet most of you don't know what your job entails, what you're really responsible for doing. And they all gruffed to that. And uh, I go, you know, here's the problem. You think because you've been put in this management position, you're a guy in power that you can hire and fire. You can yell at people so they have to do what you tell them. I said, what you really have to understand, your job is to make your team the most productive it can possibly be. That's where you're going to do the most service for your for your company. You make them productive. Well, you've got a bunch of different people and there may be different ways you 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 motivate these people and get them to productive. And, and and whatever that takes, that's your fucking job. If yelling at them and smacking them on the back of the head got them more 
productive and got everybody more productive, God bless you. But sometimes people need to feel respected, and sometimes people need a little motivation. They need a softer touch. And frankly, even if you don't like it, that's your fucking job. Your job is to make every one of those people productive, whatever it takes. And if you can't handle that, you shouldn't be a manager. Can't argue with that at all. I would not. (laughs) Well, I wouldn't fucking allow it. (laughs) I know. You'd come after me. I know. (laughs) Listen to what I say, not what I do. Anyway. We're way late here, so uh, we're going to wrap things up for the Rational Boomer podcast. Uh, Ed, thanks for coming in. This was kind of a different show. We kind of went on off on a different tangent. This is running Sunday mornings, and Sunday mornings are typically a little weird because most of the heavy stuff has already happened, and we're getting ready to get into Monday. But I want to thank you for uh, spending time and speaking your mind as you do. Uh, Well, it's I only got one, so I might as well. (laughs) And it's slipping. And it's (laughs) Mine too. All right. Well, thank you, Ed. We will talk to you again next week. Um, I hope you all have a great day, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Rational Boomer Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll see you next time.